Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of BDE, Big Dorm Energy. I am so excited for today's episode. It's been a long time coming for sure. I interview UCLA men's basketball player Russell Stong, who is currently a senior double majoring in mechanical engineering and business economics. And upon hearing that, you're probably like, whoa, he is a basketball player and he has a very heavy course load. Yes, you were not wrong. And we are going to unpack that and more in this episode. So with the UCLA men's basketball team getting to March Madness last year and their performance has definitely elevated and they've evolved as a team, their fan base is widely growing as we speak. And so I wanted to have Russell on to share his story. He is a walk-on on the UCLA basketball team, but is such a valuable player. And in the sense that if you've ever gone to a UCLA basketball team, people chant his name and articles have been written about him and he takes pictures with people at school. And so... You know, being big dorm energy and we recruit the best people to have conversations. I had Russell on to talk about his journey getting to the basketball team, what that's like. I ask all the tips and tricks, not tips and tricks. I ask all the questions everybody wants to know about what it's like being an athlete at such a powerhouse of a school and about his experience with the players and being so dedicated to his schoolwork and managing that. And we talk about March Madness and we talk about COVID. We really get into it. And it was a really interesting conversation because you really see an athlete's mindset and how it differs maybe from an average student. And so I really enjoyed the conversation. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. You'll definitely laugh, gain some insight. So stay tuned, get ready, buckle up. Let's go. Hi. Hola. It's so, so dark here. All right. Are you ready to go? I've already started recording. Fair warning. Zoom's my my back my backup in case things go wrong, but oh yeah, I definitely already got that notification. So okay, it's like recording as you enter the room. Yeah, recording in progress. Before we start with anything, why don't you introduce yourself? Say your major, where you're from, your position on the basketball team. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, well, my name is Russell Stong, the fourth. Um, I am a fourth-year mechanical engineering and business economics double major from Northridge, California, and I play point guard on the basketball team here at UCLA. I think a really great place to start would be telling me how your journey with UCLA basketball got started. Like, how did you end up on the team? What was that like? Sure. So... I went to Crespi Carmelite High School here. It's pretty close, like 20 minutes away. Basically, I went there to play basketball. I met the head coach, Russell White, when I was playing um, back in my park, recreation park. And, you know, he was essentially recruiting me to go to that high school. So went there. Um, we performed pretty well throughout my high school career, two state championships. Um, you know, and the coaching staff there is like, very intertwined in you know the d1 college basketball scene so i was very fortunate and blessed to um have that coaching staff but also have players around me um in particular brandon williams kyle owens uh d'anthony melton 
who were all, you know, D1 basketball players and now in the NBA. So they were getting recruited by, you know, all the different schools you could imagine in the Power Five conferences. Um, so we had coaches there like the UCLA um, coaching staff coming. Um, but back when I was at Crespi, it was actually the Alford coaching staff. Um, and Dwayne Broussard, who was the, uh, assistant coach at the time, the, so the associate assistant coach. Um, so it's like the second guy in command. He would come to our games a lot to watch Brandon Williams, but indirectly he sort of knew who I was, but I wasn't on, you know, a big radar, like trying to get, you know, recruited by schools like UCLA that are powerhouses in basketball. Um, so by the time I was a senior, I didn't have any Division One offers. Um, I had some Division Two, II, Division Three interest, um, but what I noticed is those schools didn't really offer the type of college experience I was looking for in terms of academics or socially. Um, so I told myself, you know, I'm gonna perform academically, apply to schools like a normal student. Um, I've always wanted to be an engineering major, so I just followed that path. And just like a normal student, I applied. Um, I actually applied early action to Stanford, but got denied. And I was like one of the biggest. I literally cried for like an hour, but you know, everything like happens the rest for a reason. Of the world, like, no, but it's so crazy. No, it is. And you know, looking back on it, I don't think I was a good fit there, and I'm. I couldn't be happier to be here um, at UCLA. So. Yeah, I had to wait for those acceptances to come in, and I had a list of schools where I was like, okay, I'd be happy, you know, at these certain locations, different schools, toward different places, just like a normal high school student, high school senior. And then, you know, when, because the UC system, the like UCLA was like one of my last acceptances. So I was planning on like going to other places. Um, Sort of like I had like the other UCs like UCSB I was considering, and I also had like uh, Princeton and Johns Hopkins. But again, I sort of decided to stay close to home. Um, so once I ultimately decided on coming to UCLA as a mechanical engineer, I talked to my high school coach, who, like I said, is very intertwined and had a good relationship with a lot of the Power Five conferences and their coaching staffs. So. Um, I set up some meetings with Dwayne Broussard and Coach Alford at the time. And honestly, it was a pretty, you know, strenuous process. And it took a lot of time and persistence because, you know, at first they were trying to tell me, like, there's no way, like, you're not going to be able to. You're, you know, your best bet is you can be a manager for us. And I told them over and over, like, I want to be a player. I'll do whatever I have to do to become a player. So I kept doing meetings, showed up to watch a few practices, played for them, you know, sort of like a mini tryout, um, met different players, things like that. And ultimately, you know, they kind of not ghosted me, but they kind of just like stopped having conversations with me. It was kind of like an idle period. It was kind of weird. And then I remember vividly like sending like a risky text that was like pretty aggressive. I was like uh, commanding some respect from the coaching staff, um, but it, honestly, it it went my way. 
I mean, yeah, I sent I sent a text to Coach Broussard essentially saying, like, you can say no to my face because it seemed like they are kind of, like, dodging and, like, not giving me an answer, like, if I was going to be on the team or not. And, like, a whole month went by and I wasn't hearing from them. So I I just sent, like, a text basically saying, like, I'm man enough to take no as an answer. Like, you can tell me no to my face or you can tell me yes to my face. Like, I just need to know. Like, you can't just keep stringing me on. And, Sounds like a you know, thing you would say to, like, a girl that you're talking to. You're like, just tell me. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of my personality, I'm a very straightforward person. I feel like I make my intentions pretty clear in every aspect of my life. And... You know, I felt like they weren't making their intentions clear with me. And so I laid it out there and they sort of strung me on a little bit more. But, you know, it's worth it for UCLA basketball, I guess. And, you know, I was just a normal student in the first fall quarter at UCLA at the beginning, at least. And I was starting to join like engineering clubs. I was on, I was part of Bruin Racing. Um, I was trying to join like their business team too. And I was just studying in Powell one day and then he called me up. He's like, yo, Russ, like we need you. And then he was like, here, you need to go on NCAA eligibility, fill these forms out. And like, we need you at practice tomorrow. Like after like not hearing from them for a couple of weeks, it was you pretty interesting. Right there, right there. Yes. Yeah, no, I was literally, I, well, obviously I was in Powell, so I had to like step out, but I and be a little quiet. But you know, it was a pretty life, obviously life changing experience. Having experienced life as a normal student versus an athlete, there's different privileges, there's different accommodations, there's just overall different treatment, especially because UCLA basketball is what it is at our school. Give me some insight into how you're treated differently. Okay, well. The biggest thing for me being a true like student athlete, the biggest privilege, especially for competitive classes and engineering and things like that, is a uh, priority enrollment. That's really fire for me because, you know, with these engineering classes, there's like limited space, limited lectures, things like that, where priority enrollment has really helped me to get a schedule that really works well together. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the basic answers of getting gear and, and food are, you know, I obviously love those things, getting Jordan gear now, which was Under Armour. And we get fed a lot. We get groceries. So, you know, I don't have to do the things. Like, I don't have to go to Trader Joe's. Even though I love going to Trader Joe's, I'll go to Trader Joe's to get some uh, dessert and stuff because they won't get that for us. But Chocolate-covered peanut butter cups and this. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I can't put those on my grocery order form. But yeah, we do get groceries. We get fed a lot at, like, at our facility. Obviously, I have our Mo Austin Basketball Center that I can go in at basically any time, which is a good escape, you know, from the rush and like everybody uh, around. Well, not really anymore, but before when there were a bunch of students on campus, you know, it was a good like safe haven i could do homework there i'm one of the only people that actually does homework in our facility which is interesting but what is i was actually going to ask you what that's like because a lot of the athletes who come to these schools and this is a very big generalization and i hate to make it however for the sake of this conversation they come for sports primarily they come because 
that's their talent, that's what they're good at, and then they kind of turn a blind eye to their grades. Obviously, because you came for academics and that's what you prioritize, is it ever really difficult when you're like, holy crap, like I need to study for this engineering, whatever you got going on, and then your teammates are like, you want to go shoot some hoops? Like, you want you want to do this? And you're like, is it hard to balance? Is it hard to manage? Do you ever shirk your responsibilities for school because you're like, oh, I want to bond with these guys. Like, I want them to be my good friends. It was definitely more of a challenge at first, but I do pride myself on my time management because, you know, all my life has sort of been that top three priorities of being social. Well, that's not my first priority, but being <laughs> academic, <laughs> having the academics, having the, yeah, having friends uh, and still being athletic while, you know, doing all those things. But yeah, it was really just figuring it out. But what's also helped a lot is, you know, guys on the team, they quickly learn, like, this is what I do. Like, I'm the student, like, I prioritize. And they understand it, too. And honestly, they support me through it. Um, so I've never been, like, explicitly, like, or, you know, not, like, seriously teased about you know, not going out because I have to study or not doing something because I have to study. But at the same time, I do try to make a lot of time to be with them. And I am around them a lot. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like this online school makes it a little bit easier um, because, you know, I can watch pre-recorded stuff on double time and things like that. But yeah, the captions, you know, the whole the whole shebang, having the notes all the time is pretty good but also you know in the heart of our season winter quarter honestly with it being online it has been a lot easier because when we travel and we go you know on different road trips to play games typically before you know I would just miss the class like I wouldn't have any recording or anything like that and I would just have to get notes from people so you know having those recorded things helps me with my time management at least for now yeah. And I think it's something that you also learned very early on in terms of the discipline that's required. My parents would always joke about this. I was an athlete in high school, not not of the same caliber, you know, it's fine. I always felt, and I don't know if you can attest to this, so much more productive and so much more happy and fulfilled when I like had practice or had tournaments over the weekend because like tournaments for club competitive varsity sports they're all day and they take up your entire weekend practices take up several hours of your week per day and so for me I was like I have this one hour to study or this one hour to get things done and I was on it all of a sudden don't have things to do I'm like I have eight hours like whatever and then I'm procrastinating or it's the latest hour and I'm trying to finish it but I think that when you are a student athlete you're very like that was what it was. You have a very rigid window, so you're very on top of what you need to get done and when. No, I agree, one hundred percent. Like I love having a tight schedule. I love, you know, having to go from honestly, like class that I just had, you know, fifteen minutes ago to this podcast. Like it just, you know, keeps me in my little productive bubble, we'll I guess. It, we'll make it weekly. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I've seen yeah. you. So now I only have 10 minutes to prepare for this, study for that. So no, yeah, definitely. I get what you're saying 100%. Yeah. So being with all of your teammates, I'm sure a lot of their goals, similar to when you were in high school and your teammates were like, okay, where do I go for college? Where am I going to play? Right now, a lot of the questions that they're dealing with is the NBA and where do I go from here and what's next? 
because that wasn't always your initial goal to play college basketball at the level that UCLA is at, is it ever discouraging being with your teammates and having them maybe fulfill something that like is a part of your childhood dream, I can imagine? Like I, I'm sure the easy answer would be to say, I'm so happy with them. I see them putting the work. I get yeah. that. And, you know, I'm sure that's all true. But is it ever difficult for you to be there doing the same things, if not more, because you're doing the academic side and then they get to six they get to get there and you don't? I am a big believer in comparison is the thief of joy. I don't necessarily compare myself to my teammates because there is nothing necessarily to compare. Yeah, I put in the work and I try to be the best Russell that I can be. And whether that's NBA worthy or not is not really my decision. And, you know, I support them and their aspirations. Um, and, you know, you might say it's an easy answer, but all of them that do make it deserve it. And our coach, Coach Cronin, you know, he gives us the answers to the test. He, he tells guys how to get to the NBA. He knows what he's talking about. I've never heard him say anything wrong in my life, honestly. So it's sort of hard to explain, but basically, you know, he's been coached. I think this is his 19th year as a head coach, but he's been involved in basketball all his life and in the coaching game since he was like 20. Um, so he's had different mentors such as Rick Pitino, uh, coach Huggins, coach Bobby Knight. Like these guys are hall of famers. Um, in the college, you know, basketball scene. And he's sort of like their disciple. And he's had relationships with uh, Kobe Bryant, Sonny Vaccaro, and a bunch of GMs throughout the NBA. Um, so he knows what it takes to get to the NBA and stay in the NBA. And he's had a lot of NBA players. He's had a lot of overs- guys that go play overseas in like Europe or um, South America. Um so, you know, he just constantly gives us little tidbits on, you know, our work ethic, how to apply ourselves, or even like certain moves to doing games that, you know, translate well to the college and professional game, um, different ways to look at the court, you know, different decisions to make in different situations. Um, and I've noticed me grow as a player. Um with, you know, the athletic ability that I was, you know, given when I was born compared to somebody that's, you know, 6'9", with a 7'3 wingspan. If they can apply what Coach Cronin is telling them, then theoretically they should be able to succeed at the next level. And it's just interesting because I still try to apply it. I obviously try to be the best player that I can be. But, you know, physical dimensions are a thing, and it's kind of just – you're not How short, the, though. You're, what, 6'3"? Yeah. I did my research. But to put it in perspective, that would translate to me being this uh, second shortest player on the team behind Tiger Campbell. So putting in perspectives like that. But, you know, obviously it's a childhood dream to be in the NBA. I'm not going to say that I, like, realize, like, oh, it's over. But, you know. I still try my best to be the best basketball player that I can be, best teammate that I can be. And I contribute, at least I feel like I contribute in different ways than, you know, putting up 20 a game or getting 20 rebounds or 
things like that. So I don't know. I just have fun and it's no, a blessing. It's it's funny. I didn't mean to be like, oh, and put a damp on it. But it's funny that you say that because I feel like that element of joy is very transparent at basketball games. I My favorite UCLA sporting event to attend are men's basketball games. My freshman year, like I didn't miss one. I did the whole like I never played basketball. Also, that was like the one sport growing up. I never played, but I did. You know when they do like the make a free throw and if you make all these shots, you get the car, theoretically? Yeah. (laughs) So one game I go, it's at the middle of a random day. And my roommate, you can, it's supposed to be random, but my roommate went to the woman as we walked in because we were early and we got the shirts and the whole deal. And was like, you need to make my roommate talking about me, like go up and do it. Like, oh, yeah, random, wink, wink. So they call me up, and I'm like, you know, might as well. Like, and I'm with these two guys, and they're like, we played basketball in high school. Like, we're going to win the car. We're ready to go. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm just going to make a fool out of myself in front of everybody at the school as a freshman, but it's fine. And I made, like, two out of the three shots. I think I yeah. missed, like, the third one at the three-point line or whatever. But the other guys that I was playing against, they missed, like, all of them. And I was like, I got gift cards, like. Anyway, the whole point of telling that story to say that having been at these games and having attended a lot of them, you're always so emphatic and enthusiastic and wear a smile on your face. And you it it appears to be, and I'm sure it's true, that you really just love the game and you love the experience. And you can see yeah. that as a fan watching in the stands. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I just love the game. I try to bring that energy to our team and Obviously, our guys love the game just as much as me. Um, but, you know, I've sort of accepted my role as being the spark plug and being like an energy source for our team. And, you know, I do it for myself, too. It's just, you know, I'm very emotional and passionate. And, you know, I want our team to succeed and win. So I do whatever I can and yeah. what happens, happens. So I don't know about you, but when I was – playing sports in high school and middle school or whatever, I always had this drive where I just wanted to be the best. Was I always the best? No, because there's always going to be someone better than you. But to echo everything he's been saying, you work your hardest in the hopes of reaching that one day. Whenever, for whatever reason, I wouldn't like start in a position or wouldn't go in immediately. Like I would get so frustrated and emotional and upset and pissed at my coach even if I knew even if I had conversations with them it's best for the team or you weren't on your day because like so many of these team sports are mental and everything like that when you first joined the team because you really worked hard to be like no I'm gonna be on this team and like I'm going to be an important player was it hard for you to make the adjustment of like being probably a key player in high school where I'm sure if you like won state championships and everything, to then changing, did you have to change your mindset to adjust to the new level that UCLA was playing at? So that's a good question. Um, for me, <laughs> uh, when I first came in, actually, I got in like not trouble. Somebody on the team um, was like egging me on, and they asked me, you know, could you? Could you guard this guy? Could you score on this guy if you guys played one-on-one, things like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, being a competitor, I was like, yeah, I could give him buckets. Like, <laughs> I could lock him up. And then, I don't know, somehow through the grapevine, it got misconstrued. Like, 
and it got back to the coaching staff like that I was saying you know that I was better than him and and they quite and they questioned you know whether I'd be like a good fit as in terms of a personality on the team I mean you know I was just a, a little freshman at the time you know still trying to find my way and like I said I was a competitor but I still bring that competitiveness every day because, um, you know, I want to make myself better, my team better. So, like I said before, I try to be the best wrestler I can be. But do you ever or did you ever get frustrated in the beginning? Because obviously getting into UCLA for basketball is different than being a walk-on. Obviously, you have become a very, very valuable player to the team, as I'm sure everybody on the team is. But just inherently being a competitor and being an athlete and having that mindset and that drive to if I am working my butt off, like asking the why question of I want to be in there at fourth quarter, like 10 seconds left, I could do it. I mean, I'm sure everybody on the team can do it. Like why him and not me? I ask myself those types of questions like why not me? Why not this? Why not that? But for Coach Cronin, like it's pretty apparent, like who gets to play and why, which I like a lot. Um, so when I do ask those questions, I ask them not necessarily out of envy or frustration, but it's more of like a genuine, how can I improve? Like, why does he get the minutes that he gets? Well, let me try to model that in my game. And maybe, you know, I can make some improvements and really start to move into that role. I don't think I've ever been quote unquote frustrated because, you know, growing up to playing basketball in my life, I've played different roles throughout different teams. You know, I've been the best player. I've been the sixth man. I've, you know, worked my way up from the freshman team through JV to varsity at, in high school. I've played different roles. I, you know, was a bench warmer at the beginning of my high school career and then, you know, sort of progressed and obviously it's like an up and down kind of thing. So I'm used to it and I do respect people that have different roles and accept, accept their roles and, you know, try to do the best that they can in their role. So that's kind of where I am now at this point, but always trying to get better. Yeah. I mean, if anything, like that's the drive that just keeps anybody doing anything they're doing. Even I'm sure LeBron James like wakes up every morning and he's like, what can I do? Exactly. To better myself and change what I'm doing. So of the time that you've played, what has been your favorite moment? So for UCLA, you mean? Yes. Top three. Yeah, I feel like, let me think about it a little bit. Obviously, the basic answer would be say would be getting to the Final Four, which obviously is a blessing and very rare occurrence. But to add on top of that, playing in the tournament at all, was pretty cool because I actually got in in the round of 64 and the round of 32. So that was pretty sick because not a lot of people can say they played in March Madness. Let awesome. Yeah, no, that's super like, sick. And I hold that super. Kids that one day. <laughs> like, you should yeah. respect. No, yeah, definitely. Um, My first, and I mean, uh, so my first points was also pretty sick. Why? Why? Well, I mean, I don't know. It was pretty electric. I don't know. I, I, I remember a bunch of my friends were there, and I had a lot of family sending me videos and, like, people on, like, sending me the TV. So that was pretty sick. Do you remember the team you played? Yeah, San Jose State. I remember the move. Like, 
I don't know. It's just like pretty ingrained in my mind. But I also, you know, have seen my seen a good amount of buzzer beaters in my time, which are pretty sick too. Mm-hmm. Or breaking, depending on which end of it you're on. Can we, okay. Can we unpack that <laughs> for a minute? I, I'll tell you my perspective and then you can give me your perspective. So to paint a picture for the listener, Gonzaga was March Madness, twenty twenty one. And UCLA hasn't made it this far in March Madness in a very, very, very long time. And I remember it was crazy because it was COVID. But unfortunately, nobody in Westwood was adhering to the protocols that should have been mandated. And there were tailgates. It was like football, but 10 times bigger. And because of, again, COVID, you guys were away like at the actual tournament and we were everyone else was in Westwood and I remember I was like tailgating the whole day and every stuff and everyone was so excited and then I remember watching the entire game and then it went to overtime and then it went to double overtime right Did it, or whatever uh, I think it was one, one wait two I don't know I, I like, try to no I think it was two <laughs> I just remember no let me just tell you it was so loud and crazy in the first room that I was in. I was, like, watching my friend's room in a fraternity house. Then we went to another room that was, like, way more quiet because it was getting really intense. And, you know, sometimes when people who are so, so invested in basketball, they're like, everyone needs to be quiet. Like, this is my zone. So we're watching the game. Also, this will probably trigger you and make you angry, and I apologize. But just oh, God. I remember that, like, a shot was made or something, and it was like, okay, there's, like, .03 0.04 seconds left and I turned to my friend she's like holy crap like this is crazy like we have a shot and then not even a second later like buzzer beater Gonzaga wins everyone just silent and then shocked and then holy crap what do we do and just like the pain and it was in some ways heartbreaking because it was also everything I wanted from my college career to feel so passionate and proud of a school not only for the Warriors academics but for the amazing sports and to have a team there like proving that yeah obviously it was heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and terrible to watch and you know you know the people on the team so it's different but to watch that and feel the camaraderie of like everybody in Westwood rooting for you guys I'm sure that just felt crazy on being reciprocating that energy oh yeah obviously looking at the bright side like you said seeing how passionate everybody was about our team in westwood especially because you know you guys are our people um but also like the whole city of los angeles really adopted us as you know the team for march madness so that was really awesome um but yeah i had a similar reaction when the shot went up I was like, oh no, <laughs> that might like, go. So it just like drops, like you're on a roller coaster, like going up. No, like, yeah, definitely. And when it actually banked in, so to put it in perspective, we we were in a bubble in Indianapolis in a hotel, isolated for like a month. And when the shot went in, like it just felt like the whole month just flashed before my eyes like it was just like boom and it just everything just hit me sort of like a train where I had all the realizations like I was here for a month for this exact moment oh. to end just like this 
And I don't know, just like the countless COVID tests, the countless hours we spent in the hotel, like preparing for games, the, you know, all the hard work we put in throughout the whole season, just like, it was like, whoa, it was just realized that this one shot and it took a second for me to be like, well, we really just lost. Like we have to like go home now. Like, I don't even know what home is like anymore. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a plethora of emotions and it took a second for it to really, you know, so what set. happens after that game when you guys go back to the locker room? What is said amongst the players and what is said amongst the coaches to you guys? I think a lot of the guys felt similarly, like how I felt. Um, and we just were kind of in shock. We, at least I remember walking back in, um, sitting there in silence for a couple minutes. Coaches just like really just standing there and it's kind of funny because, you know, obviously a coach is never happy when we lose, especially when you get to the level we were at, you know, our sights were pretty locked in on winning the whole thing. But I've never seen like coach Cronin so proud and so ha- not happy, but like he understood that we literally put everything out there. We couldn't have done it any any better I mean in a perfect world obviously we win but he was still so proud of us and usually when we lose it's just you know all hell breaks loose and things can go bad but you know he really understood what we tried to do for the city and what we tried to do for everybody and ourselves and we laid it all out there and we couldn't really ask for much more except that that shot doesn't go in so um, that was one of the good things about it is, you know, he recognized it too, and he was still proud, but you know, it's, it stung for a long time and it still stings. Um, obviously we have to move on because we have sights on a new season, but you know, it was just really a moment of silence where, you know, wow, we like, we lost, like we have to go back home to reality. So that was really that. Does it light a fire under you guys for this next season? Like, if we play, I mean, we played Gonzaga, but if we play them again, or maybe <laughs> leading up to that game, the feelings of just wanting to not only prove yourselves, but beat them and show them? Yeah, so for me, I've never really been a Gonzaga fan growing up. Really? I just, I don't know. It was just something about, you know, that they play, the conference that they play in. Um, you know, they do play a a strong non-conference schedule, but, you know, I grew up in LA, so I have a, yeah, all they, all they really have is basketball, which is, you know, they, they are usually a top contender in March Madness and things like that. So obviously I respect their program. Um, but this just built, um, like you said, it started to build the fire under me. Um, and a lot of our guys too. And like you said, we played them, didn't go our way again, which again is another, building block to build upon and for a very experienced team um essentially everybody returned from our final four run so you know sort of gaining those experiences like even on in our recent loss you know we, we've learned a lot and i can tell we've improved in leaps and bounds even just within a couple of days so it's it's not necessarily how you lose 
but let me rephrase. It's not necessarily like like when you lose, it's like what you do to, you know, progress and really make a difference in your next few games. So, you know, building that fire, losing again, you know, hopefully we start to peak toward March and make a difference again. So that's really the plan. And how do you feel this being your last season? Well, interesting situation for your boy because with COVID last year, the NCAA granted another year of eligibility. For everybody? For everyone, yeah. Everyone and uh, I think all D1 sports. I could be wrong, though, but specifically for basketball. So I'll actually be taking a fifth year and I'll be on the team again. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So no that's all. be doing engineering homework. I mean, you'll probably, would you have a job while you're playing? Well, yeah. So that's the thing. Um, I came in as a strictly mechanical engineer. Um, but once I heard the news of the fifth year of eligibility, I decided to double major with business economics. So I'll be doing mainly business economics courses my fifth year, yeah. So, okay, let me get this straight. You could have just redshirted and played basketball, but you decided to add more school and add a whole other major to your engineering course load. Right. Well, so the end goal for me Obviously, assuming I don't make it in the NBA or play overseas or something like that, I don't know what my cards are. But I'm giving you good energy. Yeah, giving me send the positive energy this way. But my end goal, in terms of like academically, um, are to get a master's in business and potentially a master's in mechanical engineering with a certain emphasis. Um, because what's special about UCLA engineering, at least, if you have a certain GPA, you automatically are admitted to their one-year like master's program. So, so I, I also considered doing that, like doing getting my master's while playing my fifth year. Mm-hmm. Um, but when like looking at you know pros and cons, you know when people do masters, like. They have family and kids. Usually they have work experience or they're working at the same time. So there's less, you know, accommodation toward, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I've because, yeah, <laughs> like that's literally the least of a lot of people's concerns taking, you know, master's classes. So that's why I decided on the double major. But yeah, leading toward my goal, I want to you know, try to stay in school as long as I can and then sort of work my way up and be a CEO, whether that be of my company or, you know, a Fortune 500 or something like that. So. Look at you go, Mr. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so many of your teammates are also doing the same thing that you're doing in terms of so, playing. Yeah, for them... I mean, it's really based on their opportunities in terms of basketball. So I wouldn't say anybody's really set in stone like I am in, in terms of returning because, you know, if they get options to make six or seven figures in the NBA or overseas, I would expect them to do that. Um, but, 
you know, they they don't know their future either. So yeah, but they could if they wanted to. Sure. Does that excite you in any way? Because it kind of prolongs oh, the inevitable, yeah. which is growing up. You know, to wait, like even it's, if you do go on to playing more basketball, it's a different ball game. Haha, pun intended. Um, because you're no longer a student. Right. So the interesting thing is when I came to UCLA, I knew I'd want to stay at UCLA and play basketball for as long as I could, right? So I actually thought about redshirting my freshman year to, like, already have another, like, fifth year where I could then, you know, decide double major, masters, whatever. Um, But I read the rule, like, if you don't play – then you automatically redshirt. So it's like sort of etiquette as a non-scholarship walk-on player to not redshirt because it's sort of not disrespectful, but it's like they're granting you the opportunity to be on the team. And, you know, you usually don't get that many minutes. So then to ask the coach to redshirt is usually not the best of behavior, I guess, until, you, you know, you get some rapport. And you have a certain relationship where you can have that conversation. And I didn't feel like I was on that level. Yeah. So it was kind of, you know, not hoping to not play because obviously I wanted to play. But in the back of your mind, you're hoping that's it. Yeah. So it was interesting because I hadn't played like a single minute. My freshman year, I hadn't played a single minute until like a little bit past halfway through the season. So it was like really looking like, you know, this could actually happen. Um, but we had a coaching change and then the first game back we beat uh Stanford by like thirty. So I got in for the first time. But right when right when you step in the game, like the first second, like your redshirt eligibility is just gone. So I played like two or three games that season for like a total of like maybe two minutes. And lost that uh redshirt aspect of it. Obviously I'm forever grateful for it because, you know, I want to hold it. But just looking back at it. Yeah. Yeah, so looking back at it, I I really could have had six years. But then that's kind of pushing it, I feel like, kind of weird. I've had this a little bit before, but I do want to circle back to it. We were talking about March Madness and COVID and being in your little bubble. Mm-hmm. What was that experience playing basketball within the restrictions of COVID like? So, I mean, here, I'll bring this up first. Being in the quarter system makes postseason basketball particularly more difficult for me um, because when we travel to the Pac-12 tournament, then to March Madness is like sort of the stretch of winter quarter finals. So that is like a whole nother challenge within itself where, you know, I have to spend time studying for finals and taking exams, proctored exams on the road. That's a little interesting thing. (laughs) So that's a a challenge that I particularly face. Some guys face too, but a lot of their things are more like writing papers and things as opposed to engineering exams. But (laughs) in terms of, you know, being in the bubble itself, um, we sort of got used to, you know, how things were throughout the season. Um, but 
our team had our own floor like dedicated to ourselves um the meals were prepackaged and delivered at specific times um and we tried to you know spend as much time together as we could you know we played a lot of super smash bros um studied for you know our games our scouting reports and things like that had different team meetings throughout the day so we tried to fill our time as much as we could but we had to stay inside we had a covid test pretty regularly um we had covid trackers which was interesting to like if somebody god forbid got covid then you know you could see how much time was spent with each person and they could decide you know if they were ruled out due to contact tracing so that was like a interesting tidbit there um what about playing because i'm sure playing, playing. is the excitement and the screaming yeah. and being a fan and also going from you've had that being a freshman and a sophomore and then mm-hmm. again being a senior during fall quarter this past year when you played and then all of a sudden there's a massive switch yeah so that i mean it's a little frustrating just because i've had the taste of what it's really like and then when covid first hit like i understood it um in the heat of the pandemic and things like that but yeah that sort of increased my role a lot in terms of bringing energy making sure guys you know had their mind right because we had to create our own energy. There were no fans to do it for us. Um, so, you know, it also helped us get closer as a team because we knew we had to bring everything. We couldn't rely on an outside source or an outside motivation. It had to come from within. And I think it transfers well now with fans because we're able to do both and still feed off of, you know, our fan base when we're at home or stick closer together when we're away. Um, especially with all of our guys coming back and having that experience. Um, but you know, with this recent restriction on fans, it's been particularly frustrating for a lot of us just because, you know, it's very like just UCLA based as opposed to like a county wide or a statewide mandate kind of, cause you know, like the Rams game will be, packed out for the wild card and Pauly Pavilion, we can only have our friends and family, which obviously we love having our friends and family there, but we also love having all of our fans. Um, yeah, so it's been like an interesting, again, another up, up and down kind of vibe, but, you know, it's also helped us grow in different ways. So we try to look at the bright side. Are you amazed at how the evolution of the team has changed just within your time being a player? Most definitely. Um, for me, when I first came in, I felt our team was very, not individual, like obviously we liked each other, but it was more like I'm here to get to the NBA and that's, you know, my main goal. Um, but as time has progressed and our coaching staff has really instilled like a different culture, um, we all have the same goal of winning. But like, the beautiful thing about it is the best thing for our team is the best thing for each of us individually Um, because winning teams honestly produce, you know, the better players, GMs in the NBA, like winning players that contribute to winning programs and certain things like that. And like I said, with coach Cronin, 
and his and uh, his coaching staff. He teaches us every day how to how to win, and we try to translate as much as possible. And I love the culture that we have now. Yeah, it's also going back to what I said about like the whole Gonzaga game and just being so passionate about the athletics at your university that you attend. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun, and at when you guys played Villanova just like a, yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I walked up and the line was nothing like you've ever seen before. There were like hundreds of thousands of people and people have been camped outside Polly's Pavilion since like 8 a.m. Yeah. I think they like put no. a ban on it till like a certain time because that's like kind of ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got a bunch of texts, a bunch of snaps of like people like, oh, we're waiting in line. Like, this is crazy. And I remember, because we had, like, our shoot-around the day of, and after, I remember, like, looping back around, like, taking the long way to take a look at Bruin walk in the line. It was ridiculously long. Um, but it really put everything back in, into perspective of, like, you know, this is really the impact we have on our university, and I take it very seriously. We all take it very seriously, and we understand that we're in a position where you know, we can really make a difference and bring that energy and represent our school the best way that we can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that game was pretty nuts. Um, the energy. We won. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> so that's always good. Um, one of the mottos we have that our coach says a lot is we spell fun, W-I-N. So, you know, if we're winning, it's always fun. And we like bringing all that energy. And that's why, you know, we want all the fans because, you know, having the success that we've been having, we've honestly, you know, grown our fan base and we want to perform in front of our loyal comrades. So, I don't know, hopefully soon. Have you ever had an experience where you're walking to class or just on UCLA's campus and all of a sudden somebody, like, knows your name? Earlier in my UCLA career, I would say no. It didn't really happen too often. Like maybe somebody would like look at my backpack because, you know, the backpack, the athlete backpacks, like a thing. And they'd be like, oh, oh, you play on the basketball team. I'll be like, yeah, (laughs) I try to like not. Yeah, I try not to show it too much. I try not to bring it up. You know, when people meet me, like I want them to know Russell for Russell, not for being a basketball player. But I would say for some reason. Like, this year has just been, like, the most recognition and the most love I've gotten. And, obviously, I'm super appreciative of it. But at the same time, I'm wondering, like, where it came from. Um, (laughs) Because it wasn't happening before. I'd get the occasional, you know, oh, that's Russell. But now, I mean, I don't want to, like like I said, I don't want to, like, sound cocky or over. I'll give you, like, a two-minute cap. <laughs> well, okay, so there's been, like, a decent amount of interactions where, you know, I'll get, like, a double take or somebody will tap and be like, oh, that's Russell or things like that. I've taken more photos this year with people. People take photos? <laughs> no, you'd be surprised. Like, at games or on campus? On campus. Well, both. But this actually happens a lot. I'll go play at, like, Wooden sometimes. Like, I'll, go, I'll go play basketball at Wooden during the off season or something like that, like, during the summer. Yeah. And I'll be playing, and, like I said, they'll, like, 
notice that I'm wearing like a UCLA basketball shirt or something like that. And they'll say, oh, do you play for the club team? And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually a player. So it's like kind of awkward sometimes, too, when like people don't know and then they ask questions and then they don't really believe you at first. That's stupid to not believe someone. No, that's happened more than you think. Like people would be like, oh, there's no way. And then I don't know. But yeah, for some reason this year, the chance have started more pictures than ever. I don't know. I don't know what it is. My hair before I go to class now. We're inappropriate. No, I don't. Honestly, when class is when class is a thing or isn't a thing, I kind of you know sweats and a jacket are my go-to. I'm going there to learn. You know how it is. Obviously, this journey that you're on, I imagine, wouldn't have been possible without like your friends and your family. What has been the biggest support that you've felt throughout your experience? Obviously, my parents are a big proponent and support system that I've had um, throughout my entire life. Uh, They've always supported decisions. You know, I remember like growing up when I would make certain decisions, like, for instance, going to college or choosing to do different programs in high school and things like that. You know, they would never hold me down from doing something, but I always had to explain why I was making certain decisions and really make those decisions for myself, um, but be able to explain why I was doing certain things, which I feel like has translated well in terms of my decision-making because they always support me no matter what, as long as I have a rhyme for my reason. Um, So they've always been there. Obviously, my teammates are my biggest supporters too, and you know, my friends on and off the court. So I don't know. It's sort of hard to pinpoint just one specific support system because I have a lot and I appreciate them also. Yeah. And I was reading an LA Times article that was written about you. And one mm-hmm. thing that really stuck with me was you were talking a lot about hope and the people in your life were talking about how you're very hopeful and how that's something that has carried you specifically through your experience because you knew you would hope that you would achieve something, but in the back of your mind, it was like you knew you would get there. How is it that you've maintained that hope? What is it that inspires that or drives that? So for me, persistence, hard work, and things along those lines have been my, you know, foundation. Um, And when I have the hope that I have to achieve, you know, certain dreams that I have, I just have to apply that persistence, that hard work. And it's, it's been successful for me. Um, I've achieved a lot of the things I've wanted to and the things that don't work out, you know, are for a reason. So, you know, I just try to look at life with a positive light and I see different directions I want to go. And like I said, I have the support system to, you know, justify why I want to do something and go for it and apply, you know, all the values and uh, morals that I've grown up with. And hopefully it works out for the best. Right now, I love where I'm at. So not a bad, not a bad place to be. You, if your freshman yourself could see where you are right now, what would he think? Would he believe it? Would he be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Or would he be in shock? Would what would he think about you going to March Madness? Honestly, I think he would have believed it. He would have been like, that's what I expect out of you, if not more. 
Um, because when I came in, you know, obviously I know the tradition. I know how UCLA basketball is. And when I came and decided that I wanted to be on the team, and once I made it on the team, one of the biggest things was we're going to bring back that tradition. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to figure it out, and we're going to, you know, hopefully make a difference on on this team as a whole and as a program going forward. I think he would be most shocked in terms of my academic achievement just because, you know, I remember looking at my engineering curriculum, like coming in, like looking at all the required courses and things like that. And I was like, oh, there's literally no way. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But, you know, like I said, just persistence, taking everything one step at a time. So I I would say freshman year would be like, good for you. Let's do more. Like, this is what we came here to do. So I like that mindset. And my one of my last questions is there's probably a lot of young boys in particular who look to you and really respect you and are really inspired by the route that you've taken to get where you are. And I'm sure boys like come up to you at different basketball games or like say different things. And that must be really amazing for you to hear. But what would your advice be for them? I would say I've said it a few times now about the persistence and the work ethic, which is true and trusting the process and just really, you know, knowing what you want to do and why you want to do it, try different things out, figure it out. Um, but really just staying true to yourself, staying on that path of just like, you know, I'm not going to let anything stop me from doing something that I want to do. Know the necessary steps to take, you know, always ask for help, always, you know, inquire, always ask questions and, you know, figure out how to do what you want to do. And slowly but surely, you know, you'll get to where you want to be. Um, because I've worked a lot from the bottom to, you know, make it to the top. And it's been a roller coaster. Um, but you can't ride too high on the highs or get too down on the lows. It's really just trying to stay consistent and slowly progress and things like that. I've always been a big proponent of you know, if you work hard, things will start to go your way. It might not always right off the bat, but a consistent hard worker makes a big difference. And that's sort of been my formula for success. I learned that also pretty early in my high school career, too. We uh, did a bunch of workshops based on like this book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. And basically, you know, you got to chop the wood and carry the water to, you know, build yourself and build your foundation. So every day you just got to chop wood and carry the water. And, you know, one day you'll build something great. And that's kind of just been my approach on life. And it's worked out for me. So I would like to think it would work out for other people, too. Um, but, yeah, that kind of aspect of it. I think that's really great. and. I think that it's very important for people to really hear how passionate you are, not only about the game itself, but about your role as a player. And I think that it will only make people like respect you more. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to me on my podcast and just really being able to be in a position to ask you questions and really hear like where you're coming from and why your journey is unique and how you got to where you are is really interesting 
as a student who goes to UCLA, a fan of UCLA basketball, and somebody who's curious as to the path you took. So if you have anything left to say. I do have more to say. Oh, please. Um, Well, first off, thank you for having me. I'm obviously grateful. Um, And that leads me into my next thing that I wanted to say is, like, to add on to some advice is, like, staying grateful, recognizing your blessings, and, you know, really having a gratitude toward life just for waking up and being able to, you know, live life is a really big thing and recognizing positivity and manifesting good energy. Um, But yeah, in terms of the podcast, again, I'm very happy to be a part of it. And I don't know, maybe we can get past all the basketball stuff and be more dive deeper. Oh, we're doing a, okay, okay, then you heard it. I mean, maybe we, we might have to do a series, who knows? No, okay, Russell, right now, right here, we're making a pact. I'm, I have it on proof that we're doing okay. another episode. As soon as I get back, it'll be a whole other subject, and I'll really, I'll, I'll dig for dirt. And good, good. That's if you're. I I never want to. I was saying this to I said one of your best friends before you came on. So it's like, oh my god, what should I ask him other than basketball? But I think that it's really important for certain episodes just to tell a story. And I feel like this episode, the story was about your basketball experience and how it shaped who you are as a person. I am so excited to do one about the other side of you. So then it gives people an opportunity to stay tuned. And get oh, so excited about the content <laughs> to come. Um, but I really, and I mean this like with the utmost sincerity, that talking to you is very, very inspiring. And it seems as though you have definitely had a lot of good people who have helped you navigate your experience in your life and knowing just even, like even to say something like be grateful when you wake up. It's something that could be taken as so cliche, but especially in the world that we're in right now and with COVID and with also just like the silly things that happen in college, it's easy to get caught up in everything and really let that take over who you are, but being reminded by somebody like, no, it's okay to wake up and smile. And no, definitely. Is very, very important. And I don't know. I just feel like you carry a lot of good energy. And I'm really happy I got the opportunity to ask you questions. And the series is happening. Maybe you'll just be my co-host. I mean, we'll I'll see what happens. The road with the basketball team, they're going to have a new, like, media. Like, they have a manager, you know, now, and water boys yeah. or whatever. But now they're going to have a podcaster. Wow. Maybe maybe you just have to put your mind to it. I am. Keep... I'm taking every piece of advice that you said. I'm manifesting persistence. There we go. All right. Thank you so much for being on my show. Of course. Thanks again. What an episode. Am I right? I'm right. It was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. This was one of my favorite conversations. I texted Russell as soon as we were done. I was like, I really enjoyed speaking to you. And then we immediately got on FaceTime and planned our next episode because we got to give the people what they want, which is more content. But I really respect Russell after having this conversation and hearing about what goes through a player's head just as they're embarking on a very unique college experience. And I think Russell has a very interesting story to tell. And it's always refreshing just hearing somebody's perspective on something and hearing about their life. So 
Thank you, Russell, for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes. Go watch UCLA basketball team game. Go Bruins. I will see you next week.